All right, guys, before we get started, I want to talk really quick about our sponsor, and that's Patch Chunky Shop. Uh, Patch Chunky Shop is an Etsy shop that specializes in uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell patch related stuff like patch mats and patch bags that you can stick your patches to. So if you get a chance, go to their website. It's www.patchjunkyshop.com and use the promo code Salumis for 10% off of your order. Once again, that's S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T and instantly get 10% off. Um, I want to also talk about Skype. That is who we've been using as of late to do these podcast episodes uh, because we want to exercise caution and really pay respect to the social distancing and the different types of uh, rules and regulations that are going out there right now. Uh, we chose to use Skype to hold a lot of our episodes so Skype isn't the only platform out there that will allow you to do this kind of stuff. So if you have anything like Google Hangouts, if you have Zoom, uh, tons of other platforms out there that will allow you to connect with other people and really get whatever message that you have out there. Or if you just want to connect with any of your friends and loved ones, there's tons of platforms out there. But if you want a good example of one, Skype is what we've been using, and I highly recommend that. All right, let's get into the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? If you've never heard of Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, it's a theory that states that we have five categories of needs, starting with the first and moving up. Physiological, safety, love and belonging, esteem, and self-actualization. I believe that during the time of quarantine and social distancing, many of us are forced out of those tiers, and some of us are forced into tiers that we may not be ready or even equipped for just yet, and it's causing people tons of problems. In this episode, the team's back at full strength, and the three of us have a discussion on that and try to make sense for why there are people protesting in the streets for their comforts and masking it as their liberties being taken away as if they were some kind of prisoner, when in fact the majority of them are quite domesticated house cats that are well-fed, privileged, and are reacting to the tears of their hierarchy of needs being temporarily taken away. This is an easy listen, but my hope is that this gets you guys thinking too. Sit back and enjoy episode 896, Give Me Olive Garden or Give Me Death. can do is undertake some dirty work on my own yeah so anyway i wanted to uh for today like obviously there's tons going on and stuff but i wanted to really talk today or if you want to call revisit um maslow's hierarchy of needs and i feel like given everything happening with covid19 i feel like a lot of our our hierarchy of needs are kind of shifting. So what I'm wanting to explore today is do external factors affect your ability to have the, I guess it's the five things that come from the hierarchy. And so before I, before we kind of go into that, I wanted to talk about those five, uh, those five tiers, if you will. The first one is your psychological needs. Second one is safety needs. Third is love and belonging. Fourth is esteem. And fifth is self-actualization. And you can. And, and he's moving up the pyramid. Yes, I'm moving goes. up the pyramid. Yeah. And uh, so I want us to be able to discuss if that has changed for a lot of people, uh, given given the situation. Is our need for safety 
higher now than a need for love and belonging is our need for, you know, feeling psychologically okay, higher than our need of esteem and even self-actualization. But all of this stuff again, and we use Maslow's hierarchy of of needs as kind of a framework. And I think even Maslow being cool daddy, like he was would espouse the notion that it is only utilized as kind of a reference point, a a road sign. But uh, in this time, like you're saying, Esteem is a driving force for American culture. The the notion of esteem is is very much one of the it, that's the pinnacle of American society. Self actualization is actually looked down upon as being like um, I guess the hegemonic masculinity. I think very much plays a role in that as well. But like mm-hmm. the self actualization phase, people who are self actualized oftentimes get looked at as kooky. Yeah. Uh, where, whereas people that are stuck in that esteem phase are looked at as being like successful and go getters and really fucking doing it, doing it up big. Like that is where we get lodged. So now that we're stifled and we're not able to go and take part in this fucking whatever you want to call it, mechanation of uh, different people filling roles as they're supposed to or they feel like they're supposed to what do they do with that idle energy? So you've got yeah. love, love and belonging is directly underneath that. We're mm-hmm. stuck in houses largely with just a handful of people. So love and belonging, like h- how does that impact shit? Yeah. Are you, are, if you're not receiving that feeling of love and belonging that you, uh, you should at home that you go naturally, you would go elsewhere and go mm-hmm. and, and seek elsewhere how are, how are you able to fill that fucking gap at home or inversely? Is it too much of a good thing too? Well, I think that there are a lot of Mark first before I go in Mark, I was going to get your views on what we've been talking about so far. Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, that's fine. I don't, I, I don't know, man, because I, I just, I, I don't know. I've been thinking of thinking about that a, a little, a little bit, but I, I, I've said on the last time we talked, I'm not sure like how, how even I'm feeling. I know it's got to be affecting us. I know, you know, external forces have, have got to be sure. affecting us, but I don't know if it's affecting me in that um, our state of being is getting a little worse. Like we're getting more uh, depressed or, or neurotic, or if we're sure. just transitioning into getting better. I'm not really sure, even mm-hmm. though it's been several weeks, I'm, so I've been thinking about that, but I, I didn't have a confident answer. So well, you're saying thinking of getting better as if this is a way of correction, what's happening. Right. Now. Right. Exactly. I can't tell. Interesting. Yet. I can't tell yet because even well, I have mixed feelings about myself. And I and I think I, we literally watched society go through like go from, again, existing in that love and between love and belonging and the steam phase for a lot of people. Like mm-hmm. that's really where most people get lodged. You don't end up with self-actualization like perpetually. But we saw people, whenever whenever this shit got real, drop all the way down to the most fundamental base of the pyramid, physiological needs. Yeah, people I think I said were, psychological at the very beginning. I meant to say physiological. Yeah, Sorry about that. F- physiological needs are at the base of the pyramid. They they comprise the absolute fundamental uh 
backbone by which you yeah. can accrue any other need. So air, uh, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, and reproduction. Correct. So everybody reverted to physiological needs was looking for safe shelter, you know, again, uh, food, water, that kind of stuff, hoarding toilet paper, any of that kind of shit. Then that jumps to safety, safety needs, uh, personal security, employment, resources, health, property. Okay. So then we got a blending of some weird shit with safety needs, right? Because, Mm -hmm. um, your physiological safety is being put into jeopardy potentially. And so is your financial livelihood. Both of those safety needs, resources and such, both of those are put into fucking jeopardy. So we we jump to that and we're able to analyze things. And you've seen the media expand and like the way the way the governor of Kentucky, for example, was being spoken of when everything was so uncertain and we had no room to breathe. It was just reactionary. Mm -hmm. There was nothing but unity. Like people were like you know what, I'm, I'm a Republican and I did not vote for this man, but he's doing a great job of leading us and I really sure. appreciate what he's doing. Well, as time has progressed and we've settled in and yeah. we've got room to breathe, <clears throat> now, now we're seeing now a lot more scrutiny. Yeah. yeah, now we're seeing a lot more scrutiny. So that we've got in that safety needs, you've got the people, people use it as a... a a excuse that their livelihood, but you also see people holding up signs saying, I, I need a haircut. Yeah. See people you know what? Fucking marching that shit in makes the me so mad. Like, there's, I know. And, and you sit there and you think of like, and I'm going to go and go on a little bit of a tangent, but you see the shit like people losing their mind over people like Colin Kaepernick kneeling at a football game. And these bitches are out here with signs saying, give me liberty or give me death because they want to go to fucking O'Charlie's whenever they want to. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, it seems like, man, I, I've been, I haven't it's had exactly anyone to ask, but, but I've been wondering that. I'm like, what exactly are you protesting? Because if you get out and run around and you let's say you're you get an exception to what you're being asked to do, we're not being it's not martial law yet. You're yeah. just being asked. What are you going to go do? Yeah. Like, so what is it that you think it is? But I didn't want to be ignorant. So I haven't been saying it, but, you know, every, exactly. uh, we, we do uh, we do happy out virtual happy hours and stuff. And they get pretty, pretty loose and stuff because everyone's at home and we all yeah. jump on and meet different teams. And I'm a part of multiple teams and different organizations. So I got to do multiple of them. Most people just do people do get too loose around you, Mark. Are they just no. like, all right, Mark, you're my buddy. But like, no, 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 no. I'm yeah. Delighted. yeah, I'm delighted that they get loose, but. <laughs> They do. Ex- they do expose some of their, uh, you know, opinions and the, the those who align with the um, protesters downtown and stuff. I'm like, what is it you want to go do? Get on a pedal tavern? Like it just like people have very very short scopes that they can think about. That I don't think they realize that that there is nothing to go to, yeah. except for make the problem worse. So mm-hmm. if we be very strategic about which businesses and things we allow to open and then try to do our best because complete isolation ain't going to help either. We got to build an immunity to this thing. Um, uh, so, so even though it doesn't sound good, some people got to get it and we got to get over it. But I've been wondering that. And I was glad to hear one of you guys say it just now, because I, I, I didn't think I agreed with what they were um, protesting for. I didn't see no. what they, yeah, but maybe I didn't have enough information. Well, and, and I think that like Kalu was saying, give it, give me liberty or give me death. 
that and it's obviously hyperbolic as fuck when oh, some super Nancy, hyperbolic. some some Nancy out here with a crocheted fucking some uh, well-fed Nancy. A well-fed like, Nancy is out she's here. She's a house cat, dude. In in the streets hollering about this shit and it's it's very much again it seems to me to be this pointed hovering between in the hierarchy of needs of that love and yep. belonging that I I'm not happy with myself. I don't like sitting with yep. myself. Yes. Yeah, you're getting into that world. Yeah. And so so Say I that. need I have I'm I'm so unhappy with myself that I have to yeah. uh, I, I have to be around other people. A like and and then you hover you're hovering between there and esteem. And esteem is where you get this self entitlement. Yep. This yep. this I have the right to go and do this shit. I have. I have my pride. You I'm said it, man. God blah, blah, blah. damn. I'm glad so, someone else said it because but, I've been observing. I've been speculating that. But, but I'm such did, a, and, yeah. And two, two, two. Well, not two. We'll say a month ago, motherfuckers didn't have the room to breathe on it. But now that the dust is settling to a degree and we're not saying settling like we're seeing a flattening of the curve. But that means that these extreme measures or the measures that have been taken are actually sure. functioning. That's what mm-hmm. it means. But we're not, it, it isn't really slowing down in any meaningful fucking capacity. We yeah. still have got what yeah. over 50,000 deaths here in the United yes, States yes. in just a few months. That's a lot of and, fucking people, man. The other thing too, that I want to mention is that I like to think of the, the hierarchy of needs as like steps. Like you have to handle one thing before you go to the next one, before you go to the next one. And I think where a lot of people are losing their minds are willing are are trying to you know give me liberty or give me death so i can eat O'Charlies and fuddruckers and shit is because when you force people to skip these other phases they lose their minds dude so what we're doing is we're forcing people out of these safety needs these these means of love and belonging things of esteem and now they're having to self-actualize because they're by their fucking selves well and that, wow. and that's a great point and i think it's a very specific demographic of the population that it has had imbued in them from the day that they were fucking born is that i might not have much but god damn it i'm free exactly it is a specific group of yeah. individuals that yeah. are easily manipulated into being the heart of this matter yeah. then on top of that you've got cats that really just want to continue the ball rolling as far as capital, because yeah. what we've learned from this, what we've learned across the board, anybody that's got half a fucking brain, that it doesn't take that much for a basic standard of living for people exactly. to subsist for most of us. Yes. Now it is really, really bleak and affecting the bottom lines of people with a little bit of an upper echelon type of position where their job is based upon like basically subjugation to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. You know, they have low wages and not a lot of benefits for their workers. Those people are shitting the bed about things with the exceptional ones that are still open because they're considered essential. But, and they realize how much they were living outside, not even so much outside of their means, but they're living they're 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 living at the pace of their income, if you will. So, yes, they're not outside of their means, but they're real close to it. And when that stuff happens and these things get taken away, no one knows how to live. Now, we can turn this into another financial like management type of discussion, but I think it's just the overall mindset of people where it's like, okay, if I'm making this amount of money, 
That means this life that I was living needs to scale with that amount that I'm making. And you're not going to understand that unless, unless you're, unless you've been poor before. Like, it's just, at least this is what I think. I don't feel like there's, you need to have a bunch of shit. You just don't have to have everything. I will also say though, that there are individuals that have come from, I won't say poor. Mm -hmm. Um, I won't say that they've completely had the deck stacked against them, but you do have people that have come from more humble beginnings that have, have made billions upon billions of dollars. And the fact that they were able to do so in some ways makes them callous towards the plight of other individuals. Oh yeah. That, that they'll have that pick up your bootstraps kind of thing. Correct. Like you, you, that is also a possibility. And I mean, I'm not in a position to say who's who when it comes to that shit. I mean, and, and really at this point, I don't give a fuck about political debate or yeah. arguing about this or that. Like give, give me scientists at the helm of this shit. I want, I want people that have uh, an objective, scientific vested interest in this, in the truth, as opposed to somebody that has a financial vested interest in this leading any goddamn thing, especially when it comes to opening things back up. But, but moving forward as a society, I think that we've seen how little politicians actually fucking do Mm -hmm. and how much the scientific community actually does do. I think this is going to be a, the next coming years is going to be a good time to be a sociology major. Because uh, there's gobs and gobs and gobs of content and and lessons and things to be able to learn. I mean, what is happening right now is a giant. It's a giant experiment, dude. I know. I like, know. It is I... a giant experiment, and you're seeing these animals that are that were conditioned to be, to live a certain way, and then when you you know when the control element changes or the control variable when that changes, and I think that that control is just stuff. You know what I mean? Yo Just stuff, the mall, the salon, all that other thing. Like when that control has been changed, you realize and people are saying stuff like I'm living in a prison when they do not understand that when you like prison is just like what Mark said. Change the way people's ability of when they need to go to bed and when they need to eat and when they can like be outside. And that's when you'll know what prison is like. And we and people are realizing that we aren't that far away from it in the first place by the way that a lot of us live these lifestyles connected all the time, living these lifestyles where we have these comforts that we rely on so heavily. Oh, yeah, we're 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 just little animals like it's we're in the cage domesticated is, ass we're animals. domesticated as fuck. That's what we are. That we're yellow, super heavily domesticated. That yellow tear is the one that was completely knocked aside. You know what I mean? Yes. Because yes. uh, only in our only in our minds do the, the the perception of safety get lost. But there's nothing unsafe about what we're going through right now. We're as safe as ever. We're probably far more safe. In fact, the the orange tear probably grew a little bit. I'm looking yeah. at that graphic with the with the hiker climbing up. The real colorful. Okay. I'm going to send you the same link that we're that that I think me and Chris are looking at. But a a real quick aside, I I think it was 1.2 million chickens or some shit like that were said to be uh, euthanized because they don't have the workers to process them. Yeah, Uh, I I think it was Tyson. Mm -hmm. I I could be wrong. I'm not trying to throw shade at Tyson because again, I don't have the time or energy. Chicken tenders are fire, dude. And and dude, I participate in eating sadness chicken and beef (laughs) and stuff. So uh, 
to each their own. Right now, we got bigger things to fucking worry about. Yeah. We can streamline that shit later. But they were set to euthanize that many chickens because not not for any reason other than they lack the manpower to process them. And yeah, and I also I, think I those chickens couldn't survive in the wild, dude. Wouldn't, well, that's my point. And yeah. I, I jokingly said, let's just set them motherfuckers free. Mm-hmm. And my our friend Nick Manning, a friend of the show, Nick Manning, was like, "Dude, those chickens would die like almost immediately." I'm like, "I know, but it would be grandiose. Like, it, <laughs> if I were if I were to put myself in a chicken's position and I had to go out the way they are going to dispatch them versus being like, what is this alien fucking world that I'm going to live in yeah. for the next few hours before I fucking freak out, die, yep. get run over, whatever." Anyway, that's the thing is that. They they were used to, so used to being in a cage, being fed on a schedule, having lights. Everything yeah. was very, very much handed to them. Their stress levels were kept as low as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's to me there there are some foils between honestly that mm-hmm. and what's happening now with us. It's like yeah, I all agree. Of it, all of a sudden they go, they go from being fed on a schedule and it mm-hmm. invested into and, and having a purpose to yeah. once they no longer have a purpose, it's like wandering out here and being like, well, holy shit, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I define myself by my job. Yep. How is that any fucking different? I mean, it's, it's, well, it's long term, it's long term, but a, a chicken ha- is invested into for what it can do ultimately and that's to nourish to to provide sustenance to provide income how is that any different than us except when it comes to it being uh prolonged over a period of time because we are using our bodies it's Mm -hmm. it's just being stretched out over a period of decades upon decades and used for a different purpose all around and I but, think also if you were to in the same way that we're saying that if we were to just set those chickens free, they'd all die instantly. If they if the governments would have just told everyone, yo, businesses are shut down, go home. We would it would be chaos, dude. It would be absolute chaos. I just would go down to my so bro- quick. I go down to my brother's house. I just I w- I'd be down there like, all right, well, we've been planning for this shit our whole lives. So. Yeah, sure. But I think that there's <laughs> there's structures now that ha- that had to be in place. Like, look, we as much as I like hearing from our governor, like literally every day, I think that that's done because people will lose their minds if they don't have that sense of feeling like their leader or something is talking to them all the time. Like they oh, yeah. have to have those messages. If you remember seeing the movie uh, Equilibrium, did you guys see that one? Hell yeah, that's a dope ass fucking movie. Okay. The Grammaton clerics yeah, and shit. The gram- they got yes, a martial exactly. art using guns. It was fucking sweet. But like having that big, that remember how on every building that was the head tetragrammaton dude was talking to everyone every single every single day at this certain hour all the time. That's what people need right now, or they will go crazy. Like if if telling people. Like, imagine if the governor were to say, okay, all this stuff shut down, fend for yourselves, go and take care of things like, and literally forcing everyone from this, from this level of safety needs to back down to buy a lot, like literally they're back down from safety, love and belonging and esteem. And it's just physiological and self-actualization. Those are the only two tiers right there it would be in, it would be massive chaos. So the governor has to jump on and tell everyone how important they are. Tell everyone that we're in this together 
And this is a method to keep people from not fucking killing each other. It is. It's it's part of the equation. Definitely. It's um, and I think it's been an effective pacification method. It really has. Our our governor has a way of speaking too. If he didn't, if he didn't have the cadence and the way that he presents, I swear to God, if I'm not, if I might be off base with this, but he has a similar kind of tone and way of speaking. Yeah, Barack Obama. I swear to God, he sounds like Barack Obama. He is the OG though. Yeah, he really is. He do he do have some he has some mom hips. He'd be wearing whenever he steps back from the podium, <laughs> he just standing there idle. I'm like, look at him, look at the mom mom <laughs> pants that you got on. I know, dude. He wears those triangle jeans and shit. It makes me so mad. But yeah, I, do, does it make sense that we are being forced into the the self actualization part? And I and I, and again, I think that there are just like we've said before. There's levels to it, you know. There has to be levels towards self-actualization and and forcing people into this mode where they have to self-actualize when, you know, when we sit there and think about like the love and belonging and stuff, like there are some people that would only get a tiny bit at their house, but they would get a whole, they would get the rest of what they need from work. Now you move that part away. It's like, okay, now you're, everyone's having to relearn how to like fill in these gaps and then the self-actualization piece it's like telling you like hey man you know what with the um with the definition for self-actualization being desire to become the most that one can be sometimes we're realizing that that love and belonging has to come from yourself and exactly. it's really hard yeah. when you've been getting and, from work and, and stuff and oh, we yeah. all That's and we and we've said the quote or i've said the quote numerous times and i think it's the buddha but it's that attachment is the root of suffering Yes. And if you look at the hierarchy of needs, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you place attachment to any of those tiers on the pyramid leading up to self-actualization, I think it holds true. If you if you're holding on, if you're having to grasp on to any of those elements leading up to self-actualization instead of, okay acknowledging them. What's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I either have it. I don't take it for granted. I have it. I'm freed up. Okay. Let's keep it moving. I have yeah. it. I don't have it. Whatever. It, it comes from within. I'm freed up. It yeah. completely bypasses everything leading up to self-actualization. If you think mm-hmm. about attachment to things. Yeah. So if you have to worry about what your next meet, where your next meal is coming from, then that's an attachment, correct? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and in a sense, that's, that's an attachment. I'm attached to the fact that I'm going to starve. Yeah, uh, it, you can do that with people as well. That's very Se- good seeking that you love. That. It's seeking very good love. That you said that, Chris. Like you, you didn't say that you're attached to the food. You're attached to the fact that you're going to starve. Yes, that's that's, that's something that people need to understand. That's the need, and then and then you talk about love, like the the need to feel love and belonging. Again, mm-hmm. ultimately, and I know it sounds like some corn dog shit, but it's it holds true across the board. Ultimately, love comes from within. You you have to love yourself in order to really fundamentally express love. We talk about that rabbi that is talking about fish love. We've spoken yes. about that at length. That's a great video on YouTube. Just type in fish love and some rabbi cat spitting knowledge. But mm-hmm. again. Attachment, every step on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you are if you are attached to specific elements of that, attached, mm-hmm. 
then you're not freeing yourself up for self-actualization. And again, the attachment between love, belonging, all of that, and esteem, I think is where our culture is so fucking hindered and, and encouraged to actually get lodged in there. Yeah. Seek, lo- seek love and validation through other people and, and seek monetary things to boost your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. You know, and it's, it's a shame that it does have to take monetary things, you know, like, yeah, it, they say money can't buy happiness, but dude, it, it's, it comes close as hell, man. It comes very, very close. And I've seen a lot of people be happy by having some money. Well, so, it, it, it can either serve as a distraction or mm-hmm. it can serve as a way to free you up from the attachment that would otherwise exactly. be associated with that commodity. Yes, that's 100% what it is. So how do we somehow reform the hierarchy of needs in these, in, in this situation, how do we still make ourselves feel safer? What do you find safety in? What do you find love and belonging in? What do you find this esteem in when we have been essentially shifted from, you know, from all those elements to just being physiological and, and the unintended uh, variable of self-actualization. Again, I don't think anyone understood that their people would have to would be forced to self-actual actualize here everyone's just been focusing on the physiological uh pieces here but that was the unintended consequence well and and i don't even know is it's consequential i don't i don't think that we that the overwhelming majority of people are staring self-actualization in the eye and know Mm -hmm. it in a meaningful way i think really what's happened is it has um it's made people idle enough or opened up enough space for them to, to be distressed about any number of things that they otherwise wouldn't be distressed about. And again, we live in a culture where people are defined by their, their job. And if you're not able to do your job, then what do you do? How do you define yourself? Who are you as a person? Because if, if all you do every day is work, you know, 10, 12 hours, come home, drink a few beers, watch TV, go to sleep. And you feel satisfied in that, that you are a worker and you do that. How do you feel fulfilled without that being Mm -hmm. the definition of who you are as a human being? And I I think that it has, it, again, it's caused a, a, a measure of distress that has exposed people to the reality that there is a lot outside of this pre-designated structure that they are forced to adhere to. Yep. Makes sense. Mark, where are you on it right now, man? Sorry. We've been talking the whole time. I mean, yeah, no. sorry. No. no, no, it's fine. It's, it's fine. I'm, I'm following. I mean, um, I, I see it the exact same way. I express it maybe a little bit different. Cause I'm one, I'm one of those people. That's probably why I've been feeling so twilight zone, like lately, like, Hmm, if I weren't so lucky, like what kind of situation would I be in? Like, I feel like happy, but I feel like I don't have the right to be happy. Or am I, am I sure this is an authentic happy, you know, cause I'm just yeah. so damn lucky that all the pieces fell in a place. I still get to keep my job. I still get to do, you know what I mean? And what would I, what would I be if I was one of those people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That couldn't work for like the next few months or something. And uh, we just actually had a big talk with the CEO and stuff the other day. And it was just, you know, we ain't coming back anytime soon. And I was delighted to hear that because yeah. I don't want to fucking see people. But, but um, you know, it still is kind of a lucky thing. I think that self-actualization 
people aren't put in touch. It's still just as um, elusive as it always was and hard to hard to reach, you know. But what happened is the the rungs of the ladder or the steps of the pyramid, if you will, they got shifted around, especially at the northern part of loving belonging mm-hmm. and a good, like the upper half of love and belonging, probably the belonging part. And then a great deal of the esteem, probably all of it just got shifted over. Or if it were, yeah. if it were, if those were like steps seven and eight of a ladder, um, they're now 10 feet to the left and right of you. And what happens is the connection looking up and being able to see the top of the pyramid is what provides people their false sense of uh, security and, and esteem. You know what I mean? Because they're not, they're usually the rat race is right there at the green level at esteem. Mm-hmm. That's where we're like spinning at, like Chris said, spend a lot of time there. But what happened is now, like you said, that's been taken away. So it's not like we're forced to self-actualize very quickly. It's just people are forced to feel in, like Lou said, something at the northern, at the upper half of, of, of love and belonging and all of esteem. And that's what they're like looking left and right about. It, it self-actualization, I don't think, you know, ain't nobody getting there any sooner than they ever was. But yeah. those other two tiers, I think, are where we live at, especially in America. And now they're they're shifted or they're missing. It's like you were walking, you know, torn, walking up man. a step and the step those is missing. Atta- it kinda, those it's the exact same feeling, in fact. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, those fucking attachments that are yep. associated with those have just been completely stripped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, what I want to do before we jump off is the you had said you didn't know or you couldn't imagine what that would be like to be in that situation of the other people who don't have their work and stuff like that. Let's try and take a take a second to imagine what that would be like. So I'd like to start with you, Mark. Like, what would it be like if you were if you if your job was taken away and you have to sort of figure things out for right now? Well, um, I've been there before, like spiritually in like, I meant in the practical day-to-day sense. Yeah. But like, just personally, I'll be fine. All right. Or like, I'm, I'm not that attached to the lifestyle and everything. Like, it's just that it's just like the pyramid got shorter. You know what I mean? It just mm-hmm. brings it closer. Cause I understand what the rat race is. The esteem level grows and it's not an accident. It grows and grows. And then self-actualization keeps getting further and further away. If you're indulging in that, you know what I mean? Especially in, um, so, but practically, it, I, I don't know, man, it would, it would be, it would be a little bit, a little bit, uh, um, uh, what's it called? Inconvenient. You know what I mean? Sure. It, it'd be, it would be a little bit inconvenient. It would be a bunch of like stuff I didn't feel like doing, but I could do it just fine. You know? Yeah, I can up and move. I can break down and throw what I need to over here in storage and then get a little apartment. Some, you know, I can, <laughs> excuse me, make moves quickly. I can stay with Gambian and pick up another high paying IT job down here. You know what I mean? I can make, yeah. make moves. It's just, uh, I wouldn't want to do any of that, but, mm-hmm. but, um, but the fact that, that, that is disturbing possibility is it's in its in its own way problematic because you shouldn't be living in a state where that is a fear yeah. for you, you know, because that's attachment. And, that's extreme attachment. And actually, one, one of the things that you said that was that's important is that you said you could get another high paying like IT job or something. But it's yeah. the fact that you have skills that that sort of mesh with what people are going to continuously need. 
Yeah. And and they're going to need infrastructure. And it's not any person with with IT experiments. It's like it's the certifications and stuff like that that you have. And I mm-hmm. think that's what makes uh, makes would make it a little bit easier for you. But, Mark, uh, Chris, I want to go to you. What do you think are the how would you survive if there was no work for you or anything like that? Well, really, the only thing that I mean, and again, it's not to sound noble, and part of it is me just being comfortable too. Um, but I, I stay tethered to society mainly to try and help. Like my job is based upon like a sense of duty that I know that this, I mean, it's, it's a pretty substantial caseload of people and I'm not perfect and I don't do everything right. And it's hard to keep up with everything, but, um, I'm a big part of, uh, solving a whole lot of problems that mm-hmm. people don't know anything about. Like if I do my job well, then the shit doesn't pop off. If yeah. I do my job well, then people don't know, you know, you don't hear about it. So, um, in the absence of me having that, um, if, if I look at things in terms of my, me no longer having that as a, um, a duty or a charge, Mm-hmm. Then, man, that that would free me up. I'd go feral like a motherfucker, dog. I I would. I would just. I'd have my dogs. I'd have some chickens. I'd grow vegetables. I would hunt and fish. I'd can things. Um, yeah, I would go. I would go straight like old school, killborn and probst with it. But um, what keeps me tethered to society is not a craving to want to interact with other people because I'm pretty much a fucking hermit as is like, I'm just, I don't have to have that kind of interaction. It's it, my, my tether is a feeling of duty. And if that's gone, then I might as well just turn into the eight man of uh, Barron County, Kentucky. Yeah. I think for, for me, I'm, I'm certainly tethered to, I don't want to say tethered. Like I, I do like my lifestyle. Um, and it's like if my job and all the other thing were, were taken away, um, there would be some, some pride that would be, I guess, hurt, you know, because I tend to think that everything that I do is essential in terms of like work, like it's helping someone, it's doing something, you know, valuable. But if that were to be taken away, um, I would probably, I would probably struggle, um, I know that I have other skills and stuff to be able to help people, but just because the way that my mind works, I would also just be like, okay, there's, we certainly have money saved and all that kind of stuff, but it's like, I would have to find something to do. And I couldn't just like, I could work at the grocery store. Right. But I would have to be gunning for the management position or something. Does that make sense? Like, because there's, I'm just still attached to this, image, I guess, if you will, when it comes to work. And, uh, I feel like it takes a lot to admit that, you know, but, uh, that, uh, that's something that I would really, really struggle with and knowing that I would have to be bagging groceries. And that's why, like, I have so much respect for every person that has left their, their job, their current job to go and Mm -hmm. be at the grocery store. Like I have so much more respect and admiration for those people who had to leave their jobs for that, like, because at the end of the day, and, and some of these people are proud of it, 
like they're proud that they made those steps. And that's like, it just makes me think like, I'm not as secure or if you will, or I'm not as like aware as I should be when these people who don't have a podcast that talk about being aware and shit like that all the time, they just go out there and do it. Like oh, yeah. I, it's, it's pride. I think that's, that that's, that's what gets me. And it's also pride that is, that is what gets a lot of Americans. You know, we feel that we're overqualified and underpaid. That's what the majority of people think. And uh, it's just this image of ourselves that we have. But I also think that part of me would do some shit like sell drugs or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I would also, because I was like, oh, I'd be good at that. And America needs that right now. Like, I feel that my moral compass would sooner point not north than it would be for me to go and do something. I'm doing my air quotes legitimate. Like, I just think that that's what I would I would probably do. And and, and like, I hate it in one sense. But man, Walter White did some cool shit back in the day. You know, what I mean? well, that's why I would always get in trouble when that topic came up about Walter because I always thought it was a good guy and people would flip out like he's a monster. I didn't even realize he was a bad guy to like a yeah. long, long time after, you know, the show was over for that same reason, because at a philosophical level, I, I believe in making my own reality and yeah. I live according to my own reality. And if I participate in something, even in to the degree that I am now, where I'm in the middle of all of it, I'm in the rap place. I'm one of those people, you know, and I'm, I have lots of mixed, uh, mixed feelings about it. And, um, just like you, I don't find it hard to admit, but, uh, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it either. It's better to say it and be, you know, out loud aware about it than to make a, a less than a genuine conversation because Chris earlier being a little modest, but it's, it's important to say that he's not in that shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I make, and I make him like better or sounding like better than nobody, just like it doesn't make you and I terrible that we are in that shit. You know, you're in it in that one family kind of uh, suburban dimension. And I'm in it in the yuppie metro cosmopolitan dimension, you know, mm -hmm. but I'm in that shit and I'm, a, and I'm attached to it. That's just, that's just what it is, you know? But um, yeah, I, I too, because I've done that before I've done outlaw shit for that mm -hmm. very reason. I, I'm not, I'm not a sucker to the point where I'm going to wait on that superficially uh, uh, prescribed level of uh, esteem. I'm yeah. not going to wait on society. I'll, I'll create my own. You know what I mean? That's exactly. Create your own. Yeah. So, and, you know, and, for, and when you create your own, just like yeah. you said, good and bad become relative. And that's why I'm just like, I feel like I would sooner yeah. create my own reality and do some shit like sell drugs or something like that. Well, but that's, yeah. That's why I always harp on personal efficacy because I yeah. swear on everything that that your own utility, your ability to do things for yourself, build things with your hands, make things grow, mm -hmm. convert them into a usable commodity, a resource, and and utilize everything around the house, like things that we take for granted and throw the fuck away. But like people mm -hmm. build greenhouses with plastic bottles, and they're fucking yeah. fantastic because of the way that they you know, they yeah. trap moisture and light, all that shit. But what I'm saying is that my, and I don't know if it's always been native to who I am, like the way I grew up or whatever, but the self-actualization, I don't feel like is too terribly difficult to attain if, 
if I'm thrust into that type of environment, if yeah. I'm thrust into an environment where it's like, okay, Chris, it's your ability to make it is contingent upon your own personal ingenuity and physicality. Yeah. I'm going to do the goddamn thing and I'm going to do it better yeah. than most anybody. And then I'm going to be like, motherfucker, this, this chicken tastes good. I did this. Yeah. I took care of all of this stuff myself. But most and, people have the feeling though, when some, if something like this were to happen, that moment of self-actualization or whatever, again, it's, that is the desire to become the most that one can be. I think that part of that comes from realizing that you aren't shit in the first place. Well, and I think for a lot of people, when they have that moment, that's where they crumble. It's, it's the difference between what you are and who you are. And I think that it's yeah. important to reacquaint yourself with what you are. Yeah. I also think that it's, it's what we know we aren't that makes us who we are. And, um, that is a, in my opinion, that that's why I'm not scared to say when I'm shitty at things that where there's just like, yeah, I'm not good at that. Like, it's just not. And yes, I can sit there and try and develop that skill. But like, I think that for people who are around hunting, you're just, they're just different, you know, and that's not anything that you can train into someone. It's just, I think you're born with it. And there's certain instincts and certain things that just don't click with me. And it's just like, yeah, I know everyone, you know, you talk about like gardening. I like, but like when it comes to hunting and, and like, you have to have, in my opinion, a certain level of oneness with nature or oneness with the kill. And I just don't have it, you know? Well, and and that's the thing with mechanical solidarity. The beautiful thing is we could live in a community where each one of us has roughly the same skill set. We all know a little bit about everything or we're jacks of all trades to a certain degree. But say I do have the predilection where I am capable of going and getting meat that way. Mm -hmm. And you are more of the mindset of let's build um let's build a fucking new chicken coop and let's yeah. build that let's make that motherfucker perfect because you yeah. are you're a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. I'm saying things like that like all the mechanical solidarity pieces, the cogs running together and mm -hmm. helping things move along mechanically. There's something beautiful about that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Organic solidarity. We're seeing it right now. And I always harp on this shit and I'm not sorry about it because we're seeing it right now with organic solidarity. It leaves each and every one of us too fucking vulnerable to collapse. Mm -hmm. If we're going to engage in this larger infrastructure of things then it's our responsibility as individuals to augment our own personal efficacy. And that comes, it comes down to your skill set. What can you do? And I don't mean live in this constant state of paranoia and define yourself by that shit. It just is something that you understand. It just be a modern day Renaissance woman or man. I like it. I like it. All right, guys, do we have any sort of uh, shameless shout outs for this episode? Um, I always got to give a shameless shout out to Tyler Young at Grade Eight Performance. He's burning shit, man. Like, I mean, he yeah. he I saw I him with that two hundred pound dumbbell. Yeah, he, he hit two hundred with the the I think it's a loadable circus dumbbell. Mm -hmm. Um, goddamn, and you know that's a, a one arm split press jerk flippity do and that <laughs> motherfucker did that shit. That's awesome. I think that's the technical term for this yeah. shit. But yeah, shout out to him. He's hitting PRs left and right. Yeah. Um, whenever he is able to go and compete, uh, people are in fucking trouble. Uh, you know, I wanna I'd like to give a shout out to uh BT Lee's 
Um, so he dropped by uh, the house to pick up some suya seasoning the other day and uh, within distance, you know, and we had just a good discussion about just cooking and flavors and all sorts of stuff. And I didn't know just how knowledgeable this dude is when it comes to flavors and, and just taste. And he has such a developed palate, you know, and uh, especially like with the stuff that he's making, he's working on a uh, on this is going to be, in my opinion, the first <clears throat> truly like Nigerian seasoning that is going to be hopefully out in production, stuff like that, you know. And so we've been talking back and forth and, you know, I've given, I gave him some of the suya seasoning and uh, the, the stuff that if you guys haven't heard of suya, Google that S-U-Y-A. It's like what it's like the Nigerian like uh, like elotes, you know what I'm saying? How the Mexicans have like that street corn, but it's not corn. Yeah. The stuff goes on meat. It's like a kebab type seasoning. And uh, but he's going to make it into like a sauce kind of. And, uh, you know, and he's. It's just it's going to be it's going to be sick, dude. We, we he brought some like prototypes and we tried some and I was like, oh, my God. So um, I think that this could be something really beautiful to come out of Kentucky for to really just spread the spread the the flavor, you know, the flavor that comes from Africa and, and show that, you know, there's many tastes from other areas. And I hate saying Africa, but it's just like I have to say it because when you just just touch Africa, there's millions of flavors within that archetype of cooking and food, you know, and influences. And uh, I just want to be able to get people to try more foods and try more flavors, especially this time where people aren't eating out as much and they're they're having to cook. So maybe this will help people, you know, do a little bit better as far as, you know, spice up their food. I also want to give a shout to um, JP Mann at Hefty Lefty Clubworks. He's been uh, teaching me how to play golf. And so one of the things that they have over at the uh, Hobson golf course is they have like, especially at the driving range, they spaced everything out so everyone can be distance while still going and and playing. And so he, uh, he's been coaching me on my swing and my technique and just getting a whole lot better at it. And, you know, he built me a set of clubs a while back and it's, it's just been beautiful. And it's been nice being able to learn how my body works and using like, there's a lot of physics to it, dude, like just transferring power and how you move your hips and all sorts of shit. And just it's it's crazy being able to to think about what all goes into a game like golf that I've I've trolled a lot. And uh, but uh, it took it took me two hours to hit my first golf ball. Really? Yeah. To drive it. It was yeah. out there at Boys Club and yeah. I stood out there for two. I was fascinated with how hard it was to do that. I didn't know yeah, like how easy it was to mess up that swing. Yes, and, dude. You know to keep your posture and stay looking at the thing. Yes. While, while like, you rotate. It's the trip. Yes. I worked on that and then worked on putting and actually sank a, it was like a 50 foot, 50 foot putt, which was kind of cool. But like, I actually enjoyed putting more than I do like driving. Driving is just power, you know, or it's not actually power. Cause I, I could oh, make sure smooth. I was stronger than it's, everyone out there. Yeah. It's mechanics, man. Yeah. You can't, you gotta, you gotta not whip the, Cause I'm yeah. sure you've got some, uh, giant fucking driver head. Don't you? It's yeah, like yeah. over 400. It's a, well, as far as the distance I can hit. No, I mean uh, the, the head of your driver. How oh, many? I don't know. It's just, it's big. I don't really know that part about, about it. I just know it's pretty, pretty and large. Then like a graphite shaft that's got some wiggle to it. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has some flex to it. Yeah, man. It's all about your body mechanics. Cause I yeah. see motherfuckers that, but at the same time, you you've got the uh, 
the mechanics and the size to really put some shit into it too. Yeah. So that was, it was pretty cool. Like being able to drive, like I've just been driving when I get it right, it's like 250 yards. But, um, he's just like, if you, if we tune this up, I'm telling you, you'll be hitting 300, you know, consistently. And so that's what I really want to get to, to getting like that. And then really, Tune Clue, body to get to a point. I will beat your motherfucking ass on the golf course. You're I probably swear. good. I dude, I can drive more than two fifty, bro. And I'm a yeah. little midgety, motherfucker. I know it's my technique that's jacked up. I keep hitting it like, dude. I'm like sending. I'm sending these fucking missiles though, and they're just curving and they're rolling really over. Are they no, hooking or are they? Yeah, um, it's slicing. You're slicing or you're yeah. hooking? Are they going right or left? Well, I think that depends on whether or not you're left-handed or right-handed, but they're going but away from me. I'm you're right-handed. right-handed. So I think it's a slice where it goes away from me. Fade is where it goes closer to me, I think. Well, towards me in the sense that it's going from, it's going well, to the if, left. If you're right-handed and you hit the way I do, then a slice would be, if you're standing, it would be off in front of you or to your right. And yes. then, okay. Yeah. So you just and be it's, slicing it's, it. Yeah, hard dude. And you it's, open it's it like, up your club face. Well, I've I've been working on on trying to open it up, and then turning my body. And I'll, I've got to send you. We you have might want to close your club face up a little bit. Really? Yeah, close the club face up. It'll straighten that shit out. If you've got an open club face, it's going to put that spin on it. Yeah. So it's going to go straight out and feel great, and then it's going to catch that spin and just roll over on you. Yeah, dude. It's. It's crazy yeah. shit, though. Well, whenever we can, let's, me and you go play golf. Yeah, yeah. And ride around fun. a little car- cart together. Can we wear fezzes? Yeah, oh, I'd, I'd be down with that. Well, the funny thing is that JP, he says he's been on just tons and tons of courses, but he never uses a cart because he likes to, like, feel the greens and everything like that. And uh, he was like, you better be ready to walk if you're going to go and play with me. I was like, oh, God. No, I'm so. trying to I'm trying to ride around a cart and drink beer, pimp. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Thinking. If Mark wants to come, me and Mark will ride around in a cart, and yeah. you all, you all can hoof it and feel good <laughs> under on the grass. <laughs> be, you know me; I'll be sweating my big ass the entire time. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so putting, bad. I'm putting little bead doorways up in the golf cart <laughs> and everything. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, Mark, do you have any shameless shouts or anything like that? Uh, yeah, shout out to y'all's electric and. Uh, <laughs> Adams Electric and Roberts Electric. Nice, nice. <laughs> Two of them are the same company, turns out. Really? <laughs> yes, Angie's List shit. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, shout out to uh, Lawrence Systems on YouTube. Amazing. Like, he even looks like the guy that taught me computers, but amazing. Like, my generation style yeah. sysadmin guy doing just any other dope shit. Like, yeah. the stuff that I'm just hate that no one's talking about, but it'll be like setting up your entire virtualized open source home lab and he's mm-hmm. just a killer look up lawrence systems when you get a chance just okay. this little it consulting outfit out of out of like detroit or somewhere and just a old school guy looks like one of the guys i went to land war with but he's just mm-hmm. really really good and you can call him up and be like yo i got a ubiquity server or a ubiquity switch like how do i set it up or something like that really, really? good stuff yeah just really cool just one of those people that's like he's my tribe. Yeah. I'm yeah. watching his site right now. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. It's got that orange logo. Yeah. Orange yeah. Look, yeah. Man, just, just go look at what he cut co- topics. He covers. It's <laughs> look incredible. At this 
He says, happy customer served 6,565 feet of cable installed, 1,014,140 feet, and then Scoville units eaten, 992,991,503. So, like, so he likes his spicy food. I'm going to send yeah. something over to him. He's cool, man. Oh. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's that's all. Well, cool then. Well, I hope all of you guys did find value in this episode, and hopefully, you guys see that your hierarchy of needs are going to be shifting during these times. And um, yeah, just I'm really glad everyone's able to take the time to go through things and and talk stuff out and uh, try and understand yourselves during this situation. It's it's pretty tough on everyone, and uh, it's it's forcing a lot of us to to do wild shit. And so. Hopefully, those of you who are out there protesting in the streets to get your O'Charlies, um, I hope I hope you bitches get sick. <laughs> so. Yeah, go goddamn, just get sick already and shut the fuck up. I mean, Jesus Christ, we can't sit our asses down for a little while so Meemaw can live. The fuck is wrong with you people? Yeah, exactly. Hey, motherfucker, got to make everything political. They all cry, baby ass, groan. Nancy's, Nancy's, yeah, and exactly. and and Phil's. God damn, Phil's give me a good chicken guy. Tenders. Give me chicken Phil's, tenders or give me death, man. Yeah, buddy, I you know he's a good guy. He's just really conservative. Fuck Phil. Go <laughs> go sit your old ass at home. I'm sick of you. And, yeah, and I say, oh, the motherfucker 53. And he's yeah. like, I, I'm, I'm fit as a oh, fiddle, and, and he's got his AR-15 out there like someone wants to shoot him. We're all at home. Look, <laughs> my, every motherfucker out there. Well, not every motherfucker, because they probably a crazy one in the mix that would get wind of this and come try and get me. And then it'd be a whole <laughs> ordeal. But it's all baby dick syndrome motherfuckers that couldn't hack it as being law enforcement and were too afraid to be uh, military. They're just showing up out there with the ARs and they little micro penises. Like, y'all walking in the Capitol with y'all guns out like it? Oh, like, that's not necessary. This is not civilized, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I love guns, but bitch, shut up. Like, Thank you. Straight anyway. from Loomis, bitch, shut up. Yeah, All bitch, guys. shut up. <laughs> Thank you both for jumping on and talking with me. I, I like this episode. I always like getting and talking with you guys. So I give, hopefully this stuff, you know, everything clears up in time and we can actually be face to face, but I am enjoying it right now. You know, I'm enjoying these uh, Skype conversations and, uh, but I would rather certainly rather have you guys all here. So with that, I hope everyone has a good week. Hope everyone is staying safe. Take care of yourselves and each other. And we are out. Peace. <laughs>